Coming up on Tech Thing, GPUs and games for all the platforms. It's GDC this week, Raspberry Pi alternatives, pigment versus dye printing, a little more security for your VPN, and more all coming up on Tech Thing. If you get something useful out of this episode of Tech Thing, please consider contributing to the show at patreon.com slash techthing. We're brought to you by viewers just like you. Thank you so much. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patty Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. At least on the good days. It is a good day. I will admit that my voice sounds terrible right now. For some reason, I lost my voice during our pen test with Hack5 over the weekend. It was the arguing over the finer points of the best tables to use when you're trying to crack encryption. It's okay, so, you can tell us. But I'm going to speak up so everybody can hear me. So first off, the Game Developer Conference, that is happening this week. I am yeah. so freaking stoked about this thing because it it's means video games. Numbers. Yeah, I mean, the expo doesn't start properly until Wednesday the 16th with panels and press conferences pretty much started first thing on Monday. Yeah, and I think the big thing we're going to hear about is VR. That's going to be a huge part of GDC this year. I mean, duh, because we have Oculus, we have Vive, and they both have ship dates. Ship dates! Which is crazy exciting. Yes! <laughs> we're going to be having uh, some friends of ours on who have been living La Vida VR through the entire progression on Ooh. in the next couple of weeks to talk about, actually probably towards the beginning of April, to talk about what's out there, the games, the experiences. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be fun. Microsoft dropped something really interesting on Monday. Uh, native cross-platform play between Xbox One and Windows 10 games that use mm. Xbox Live. And enabling developers to support cross-network play as well. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. So that means all consoles and PCs yeah. can play together. Uniting the clans. Unite the clans! <laughs> Uh, Microsoft sa Microsoft says that Psyonix, I believe, uh, the Rocket League, Rocket League, will be one of the first between Xbox One and PC players with an open invitation for other networks to participate as well. So that's awesome. I think yes. it's very nice that they're being welcoming to everybody and whether saying, let's, not, let's engage. <laughs> yeah, whether or not anybody joins that party I uh, hope they do. is an entirely, different, uh, an entirely different thing. Yeah, that's true. If you've never played Rocket <laughs> League, it's fun. That's all I'm going to say. Rocket League. I have never played Rocket League. Oh, we sadly. should fix that. It looks kind of like Borderlands. You know, sometimes when you click on an arrow, your computer does something. <laughs> My computer is not behaving. So I think that we should talk <laughs> about GPU since we're on the topic of video games. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's a wonderful time to be a low-cost 1080p gamer. Isn't um, it? <laughs> okay, so like for 100 bucks, um, a GTX 750 Ti, that's that's like the entry level, I have no money. Yeah. Uh, actually, if you're the entry level building your own system and you have no money, you probably start with an APU, an AMD APU system with the onboard you know, graphics on them. Yeah. Um, but um, 750 Ti, GTX 750 Ti from NVIDIA is the 100 $105, $110 card. Uh, GTX 950 gives you a big, big bump in performance uh, for $150 to $160. Up, uh, if you have $200 to spend, uh, AMD's R9 380 is probably the way to go, unless you have cool. $230 to spend, in which case the R9 380X uh, gives you more stream processors and a bump in clock speed okay. for a nice little bump in performance. Generally speaking, Feel free to throw your rocks at me at this point. You don't need more than a uh, R9 380X or 1080p gaming, unless you think of bigger monitors in your future. Yeah. If you're thinking about going to 1440p in the near, in the near future, then spending more uh, on a GPU mm -hmm. Um If you don't think you're buying a bigger monitor in the near few future, go cheap now, <laughs> and then Crossfire or SLI uh, when you buy that new monitor. So what if you have like three or four hundred bucks to spend? 
Okay. Um, our friends at PC Per Se, and this is, this is if, if you have this much money, you, Which you have I don't, some deciding to make. Which I don't, but if I did. If you do. <laughs> Let's say you, you buy a lotto ticket because you feel like paying the stupid tax, and the stupid tax pays off. <laughs> our friends at PC Per Se, quote, this is Brian Shroud, the $300 to $400 GPU segment is so incredibly close right now, it is a toss-up between the GTX 970, the R9 390, and the R9 290X. These are entry-level, uh, these, these cards, and this is me speaking, not anybody from PC Per. These are all entry level uh, for 4K 60 hertz gaming and for VR gear. Like, the, okay. like the, the base, you know, if you're buying an Oculus, like the 970 is the basic entry level GPU for that. Gotcha, okay. If you need more anti-aliasing performance with 4K, if you want a badass 1440p gaming GPU, if you want more VR performance, if you have all the money and just want to spend it because- All the monies. <laughs> <laughs> like Shannon, you like to make it rain. Make it rain. Make it rain. <laughs> We'd start with a uh, 650 $50 plus, depending on which version you get, Ooh. 980 Ti. Uh, that's the Ouch. NVIDIA 980 Ti. It gives you a big bump in performance, like probably like yeah, a 30% over bump. over the 970. Well, that's what's funny. It's like, you know, not quite twice as much money, roughly a third better performance, depending on how you look at it. Wow. Um, it's got 1,152 more shading units. That's 2,816 on the 280 Ti versus 1,664. That's a big on difference. The yes, shader units are the part of the GPU that does the heavy lifting for the 3D stuff you see. When Photoshop talks to your GPU, yeah. it's looking for those. Gotcha. Um, you do not need a fourteen or fifteen hundred dollar Titan X. Just, <laughs> Darn. <laughs> no, just get another nine eighty Ti instead and run SLI. Unless okay. there's SLI issues with the performance or application you're looking at, but that's a whole other rat hole. I'm not going down right now. Four <laughs> um, K gaming uh, says the crew over at Hard OCP uh, is the reason you want to run a minimum of six gigabytes of re, uh, VRAM on a GPU. Four K gaming is taxing. I believe we've yeah, discussed this. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, by the way, expect new high-end GPUs from NVIDIA to be announced and or shipped in April. Yay! So you might want to wait before dropping thousands on yeah, a you new, just might. Uh, yeah, on a new GPU. It's it's tough. Like if if you're like, well, I'm just gonna buy the GPU now. Just mm -hmm. you if you're talking about like a seven hundred dollar thousand dollar GPU or I should say a, you know, six hundred and fifty dollar GPU, yeah. you, you 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 might want to wait till April. Just in case, um, unless you need it now. Um, okay. Because it would suck to have like a bigger, better, faster GPU drop I, the prices and everything down. But that's also the nature of uh, buying computers. As yeah. soon as you buy something, something faster and cheaper. And more intense. Yes, <laughs> just minutes later. Speaking of faster and cheaper and more intense, uh, this is faster, but it is not cheaper, and it's probably a lot more intense. The $1,500 Radeon Duo Pro uh, was announced by AMD this week at the Game Developers wow. Conference. A dual Fiji-powered, liquid-cooled GPU and it's not for you. <laughs> I mean, if you <laughs> so have, who is it for? Uh, yeah, basically, um, um, uh, developers. Oh, okay. VR developers. Okay. Uh, if your pockets are deep, uh, go for it, uh, says uh, Ryan over at PC Per. Um, quote, just as we have said about the NVIDIA Titan line of products, they are the best of the best, but priced to attract developers rather than gamers. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a pretty badass GPU. It's $1,500. It should be pretty badass. Um, it's a lot of money, but if you're developing and if that's your job, yeah. it might be worth it. Well, it's interesting because VR, you're essentially, right, you're feeding a monitor, mm -hmm. a monitor, and yeah. doing a whole bunch of calculations for both of those monitors on your face. Yeah, it's hugely taxing. Hugely taxing. <laughs> 970 is the entry level. That's what I have right now is a 970. Yeah. You're ready for VR. Apparently so. You've got a quad-core i5, right? 
Yes, You I have do. the entry level for VR. Yes! Yes! That was my game plan all along. Not really. She's so clever. I just got lucky, apparently. <laughs> of course, if you guys have any tips or you want to share your specs for your own PCs, what video cards are you interested? You can always send those over to us, ask at techthing.com. You are awesome. Seriously, you make Tech Thing happen by contributing small amounts per episode via Patreon.com. Crowdfunding is cool. It means we get to focus on making great content for you, our viewers. And if you're a patron, you get access to our special patron build videos and early heads up on what's coming, even monthly hangouts at certain levels, and as much more as we can make happen. Go check out Patreon.com slash Tech Thing. And if you can't donate, that is okay. Keep firing out your questions. Send us your tips. Write us a review on iTunes. Give our videos a thumbs up on YouTube. Share the links with your friends. It all makes the show that much stronger. Thank you so much for being a part of Tech Thing. We got an email from Carl who writes, Hey Patrick and Shannon, I love your show. I was wondering if you've looked at the new Odroid C2 and how it compares to the Raspberry Pi 3. For only $5 more, I think the Odroid C2 could be a better option for many people. What do you think? Thanks from Carl in Jupiter, Florida. Oh my goodness. So the Odroid C2, um, hardkernel.com is the website. The Odroid C2 is a 64-bit quad-core single-board computer that is one of the most cost-effective 64-bit development boards available in the ARM world. Um, it's pretty sick, actually. It's got a 2 gigahertz quad-core ARM Cortex-A53, way faster than the Pi 3's 1.2 gigahertz part. 2 gigabytes of RAM to the Pi 3's 1 gigabyte. The Odroid's Mali 450 GPU can do H.265, which means it can run 4K video. The Odroid has gigabit Ethernet on board that isn't shared run over a USB interface, so it should be way faster than the Pi 3's Ethernet. <laughs> it can use microSD or eMMC for storage, and it can run Ubuntu or Android Lollipop. Wow. And probably like Arc Linux. And so what's it missing? Ones. Anything? No onboard Wi-Fi, no Bluetooth, oh. but it has an IR receiver on board. Ooh. So like home theater box territory there. That's cool. This would be awesome for doing like a server or a BitTorrent sync box or doing a home theater box. And it's 40 bucks. Well, it's 40 Without peripherals. Well, it's 40 bucks plus $16 to ship it from Korea. Oh, okay. Um, the thing is, and this is kind of, you know, you'll giggle when I say this. You have to be like a Linux or an Android guru and roll your own. You have to be familiar with Linux, right? This is awesome if you're a Linux or an Android maven, but if you want a ton of support, if you want pre-built distributions that allow you to do, like, you know, I, I loaded this download onto an SD card and plugged it into a Raspberry Pi and suddenly it was a this or so a that. So Raspberry Pi has made it super simple. With this, you yes. actually have to understand how to compile your own distro? Well, or maybe customize Linux so it does what it does. Like, uh, like yeah. the, the, the Volumio. Because it's not already pre-configured. Exactly. Like Got Volumio it. or Rune Audio or Linux, but their Linux has been customized to be a badass audio player. On including the interface. Raspberry Pis. On Raspberry Pi. You could certainly make one of those with this board. It'd be more board than you needed to do that. But you could do that, and you would have to do it all yourself. Got um, it. So okay. you know, there's also a massive amount of third-party uh, hardware that extends the Raspberry Pi boards. The Pi has a huge advantage there. The Pi is much more noob-friendly. Mm -hmm. But Carl, if you need more power, <laughs> the C2 looks killer. I'm debated on getting one, one of the C2 droids, and Get just, it. just messing with Get it. Get it. But I feel like it would Get take it. me quite some time to actually get it to work. You know what? Which is something I don't have a lot of right now. Time. It, it could make a really cool Pi Sync box, I think. That'd be cool. Not a Pi Sync box, excuse uh, me. R Sync? BitTorrent. Oh, BitTorrent Sync. Okay. I have Pi on the brain. <laughs> I apologize. Yesterday was Pi Day. I know. All the pies you know were sold out. You know what I got yesterday bakery. at lunch? A pizza. Pie. Pie. <laughs>
I fully understand why all of the pies were sold out. We got another email from Kevin who writes, Hello, my printer bit the bullet and oh. I am buying a factory refurbished Epson XP950 for stupid cheap. My only concern about the printer is that it is dye-based. I was already planning on using refillable ink cartridges or a CISS, but I was wondering how well it would work with pigment-based inks. I found some sources online claiming to produce pigment-based inks for the XP950, but I don't know about the quality of the inks and how it would impact the printer head. Mm. I am not going to sell my prints, but I like the idea of fade and water resistance of pigment inks. The Epson SureColor P400 is out of my price range, and the dye-based EcoTank models in the States only support four colors. Thanks for any help, Kevin from Virginia. That's a good question, That's a great Mr. Question. Printer Man. I, I, one of my first jobs back in the day was reviewing printers. Oh man! I love. <laughs> no wonder you're obsessed with them. They're, they're they make pictures. <laughs> they do. You can print out documents pictures. with them. They're amazing. <laughs> these printers. Um, so, in the words of Eddie Murphy, the blogger for Epson, not the comedian, um, <laughs> dye equals food coloring in water. Uh, pigment equals finely ground charcoal in oh, water. Okay. And. Uh, if Mr. Murphy is is a product manager or an engineer, I apologize by calling him a blogger, but I meant no. Uh, you I meant, meant no nothing. harm. Yeah, I meant no harm with that. What's interesting about that is pigment is not only more resistant to water, right? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't turn back into food coloring yeah. when it gets wet. Um, it, it fundamentally bonds with the surface it's been spit onto. Oh. And when you think inkjet, think spitting. Okay. <laughs> You're just spitting on the yes. surface. Yeah, and it's you know I and it I make it sound like you know it's spitting you know it's, <laughs> you're like that dude who did the paintings at college, um, but so the pigment becomes kind of one with the medium it's printed on, which gives you incredible longevity. Uh, it's much less prone to fade because it's it's physical bits of color, right? Yeah. Which is a little more dense than dye. It's a little okay. more awesome. It doesn't tend to fade as much with light. Um, Pigment, you know, is the choice of high-end, I'm a freaking artist, people, <laughs> printer buyers. Or if you go to a, you know, a, a framing shop that has a printer, it will almost always be some kind of pigment-based printer. Huh. Dye colors are more vibrant. You can get incredible amounts of detail on them. They will fade over time. If it gets wet, right. it gets awful. Um, there's a really interesting page. Tim Hunkins Inkjet Print Longevity, and this is basically what happens to dye prints over time. Oh, wow. Right? Uh, especially if you leave them in the sun. Some are more or less resistant to UV, but this is, you know, this is new, and this is 20 months later. Mm -hmm. Which one looks more awesome? Well, obviously, the new. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the prints look amazing when they're new. The other thing he, he shows, um, is Whoa. yeah, well, also fading and uh, smudging from condensation. That's, that's from condensation in the window. Wow. But these, this is like HP Design Jet. This is from a long time ago. The Design Jet went there. But this is black, and this is black after it's faded for a long time in the sun. So sun is the enemy of your uh, your 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 dye okay. prints. That said, if you have like UV glass, if it's in a frame, it's going to be a little bit less likely to fade. Most people don't like print something out. Like, I've made art, and now I'm going to put it in the south-facing window so it gets the <laughs> maximum sun exposure. Um, pigment ink in a dyed print head, 
probably not a good idea. Uh, my understanding is that it could clog the print head, which is not a big deal if the print head is integrated in the cartridge. Uh, it is a big deal if the print head is integrated into the printer, i.e. If, oh. you, if, you, if, you, if you take the little tiny precision orifice and you stuff it with pigment of color or, or chunks of color, yeah. uh, it will not print properly anymore. My understanding is also that the algorithm that controls the print heads would need to be tweaked to work with the pigment. Uh, and the, the micro piezo print heads that Epson uses you know, usually they, most inkjets, they essentially boil the ink out of the printhead. What right. the, the micro piezo technology, right? My, you know, piezo technology, like I apply uh, voltage to this piece of plastic and the plastic like vibrates and makes a noise. Or oh, it, it basically, by changing the amount of voltage, they can put a lot of, of ink down or a little bit of ink down, like five, my understanding they have like five different levels of the little tiny dots yeah. they can make. Okay. Um, I don't think that's going to, I, I, I don't think it works if you stuff pigment into a, a dye printer or vice versa. Mm -hmm. That said, if you want to experiment, go for it. If you want <laughs> pigment though, um, you know, like one of Epson's ultra-chrome inks, spend the money, get a proper Stylus Photo uh, Pro Pigment Ink printer, and trust me, while six color printers are cool, the extra light cyan and light magenta colors, they're basically about tonal variations, great right. for skin tones, great for photos, uh, but you can get a staggering number of photos from a four color printhead. Most printed things, i.e. the magazines you look at, they are from four color CMYK printing systems. That's cyan, magenta, yellow, uh, and oh, wow. key or black. Um, you know, your RGB monitor can produce a huge number of colors more than a CMYK uh, printing system can. Mm -hmm. And those are still a modest subset of all of the visual, oh, uh, yeah. all of the things your, your eye can see. Um, the colors. The colors, yeah. <laughs> got any thoughts on printing? Got any thoughts on colors? You want to talk about RGB color spaces, you know, and all of the new stuff that's coming out in high dynamic range. We are here Ooh. to entertain your technological amusements. That was almost a sentence. Technological amusements. I kind of like that. Entertain your technological amusements. Did you ask us questions? We'll answer them. Email askatechthing.com or tweet at Patrick Norton or at Snubs or at TechThing. Just wanted to mention this briefly. Google's AI wins fifth and final game against GoGenius least at all. Wow. I'm just saying AI, autonomous vehicles, scary <laughs> robots being tortured by Boston people with hockey sticks. Oh my goodness. Google, or Alphabet, so in the lead to become Skynet when it grows up. Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, it's all happened before and it's all happening <laughs> again. This is all far from over. <laughs> we got an email from Justin who asks, Hi Patrick and Shannon, I love the show. Keep up the great work. I am under constant pressure from the munchkins in my life to buy them some of the El Cheapo drones that you find for 15 to 40 bucks at various stores. Are these things actually decent or as I suspect, will they quickly stop working, break, etc.? Also, I assume they can't be easily repaired if they do break. Sorry if my question forces one or both of you out into the field somewhere for testing purposes. Thanks from Justin. <laughs> Fortunately, I have already done significant field research on this. We have with done those tests. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, uh, you know, uh, Darren over at Hack5 spent the better part of a year and a half doing extensive oh, yeah. uh, hour to two hour long field research. Um, field story. research story number one, don't buy an $800 drone uh, if you've never flown a drone before. Nope. Because you'll fly it right into like a power line or a truck or a brick wall. And or a train yard that you can't go in. And then you'll either not have a drone. Gee, I wonder where there's a train yard around here. Hmm. Um, <laughs> or, or you'll destroy your drone and have to fix it. Yep. There are some great cheap drones out there. Um, most of the ones at the store are meh. 
either A, they're, they're total crap, or yeah. B, they're the Air Hogs, which I like, which is the one that like they do the Millennium oh, yeah. Falcon, mm -hmm. but the battery is inside of it. And the thing when you take children and drones, is the number one thing to consider is that batteries last like 10 minutes. Yeah. And then like with an air hog, you have to plug it in and wait a long time for it to recharge. So the trick is to have a whole bunch of batteries and swap them in and out. Right. Uh, the one Darren turned me on to is the Hubson X4H107L, four channel, 2.4 gigahertz RC quadcopter yes. black or whatever other color it comes this in. This thing is amazing. Yeah, these things are fun. They will, they use standard, like I'm a, a big girl, big boy uh, controllers. <laughs> uh, so they're not, you know, basically this will teach you everything you need to learn about flying drones um, or quadcopters. Yes. It's $35, which is not entirely cheap. The first thing I suggest you buy is the five-piece Tenergy 3.7 volt, 380 milliamp hour LiPo battery for Hubson X4, blah, 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 blah. These are awesome. You can charge them faster if you have a Thinxmax 4-in-1 battery charger oh, wow. for Hubson, <laughs> uh, which plugs into a USB port. There may be better ones out there, but this is, this is not a bad uh, place to start. And this is what's really killer if you have children. Yes. Um, because you go from no control to more control to a lot of control, and every time you crash it, you will probably pop one of these on. Let's say every third crash, you pop off a propeller. Um, so what you want is one of these guards, and they sell these separately for two or three bucks. You want the propellers. Uh, you want to use the propeller removing wrench like this, or otherwise you'll have to solder one of these replacement motors into it. Um, you know, so basically they call these spare parts or crash kits uh, for the Hubson X4 you can buy. Just buy, if, if at the very least buy a little bag of the rotors and yeah. one of the little, you know, wrenches to remove the rotors. Uh, I will say with the Hubsons, the batteries don't last super, super long, mm -hmm. maybe like 10, 20 minutes or a little bit less than that. And also the yeah. propellers, they break pretty easily. So it's totally crucial to buy a whole bunch of extra props for your drone or yeah. else you're going to run into the problem where you only have three working ones and then it's flying sideways the yeah. whole time. And the the, <laughs> the body shell slash, you know, propeller guard, yeah. buy a couple of those. We have so many of these little things like flying around the warehouse. Mm -hmm. we, we like just let people fly them around yeah. the warehouse during our last open house and people loved them and mm -hmm. they were able to bump them into things and it didn't matter because they work forever, yes. <laughs> it seems. Yeah, and, and literally like the only time we've killed one was when we had a broken propeller and mm -hmm. somebody went to Conan it off and ripped the motor physically oh. out of the hub song. That's um, bad. Or when people have run them over with cars. Yep. <laughs> Everything short of that, pretty hard to kill. And they literally, I'm, I kid you not, they teach you and your kids everything you need to know about maneuvering yeah. a quadcopter. They really and do. Then once you've developed those skills, I can land it, I can hover it, I can hover it in place. You know, they're not great if it's like fifty, if it's blowing fifteen or twenty, you know, miles per hour outside. Like <laughs> you, you, it'll go up and then it'll get blown to the next county. <laughs> So, you know, use them indoors or use them on days when the wind mm -hmm. isn't too heavy. Hope that answered that for you. And from Bob, we got a really cool tip about credit card security. <laughs> he says, for the best credit card security, use virtual account numbers like Citibank MasterCard. I think Bank of America and others use it for online and phone purchases. The virtual credit card number is tied to a vendor's ID. You can set a limit and expiration date. They act more like a prepaid card that you can reload anytime online. <laughs> when Citibank issued a new chip and pin sign card, they moved all of my active virtual cards to the new number. Nice. When there is a suspected or confirmed security breach at a vendor, Citibank deactivates the virtual card numbers for that vendor and doesn't have to issue oh. you a new card because the vendor never has your real credit card number, expiration date, and CCV. Yes! <laughs> That's cool. I've been using them for close to 10 years 
In every year, you have to update expiration dates and credit limits on recurring virtual cards. You learn to time the virtual cards to expire in the same month. <laughs> For real-life purchases, I use Amex Bluebird, which also acts like a prepaid card that you can reload anytime hmm. online. And that is from Bob. Thanks, that's, Bob. That's really cool. I didn't even think to mention virtual credit card numbers because I, I haven't used them, but I've used prepaid cards all the time. I totally want to sign up for a virtual card now. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and we got an email from Roland who writes, Hi guys, I enjoyed your VPN segment and I would like to suggest that any VPN service you might want to use should provide a way to disconnect programs in the mm. event of a dropped connection. Regardless of how or why you use a VPN, legal or not, Auto Disconnect will provide an additional layer of protection and peace of mind. Several of my friends spend a great deal of time delving into the dark sides of the web <laughs> and swear by a service called Cactus VPN. They give it top marks for speed, great GUI, and rock-solid connections. They charge 35 bucks a year and have an auto disconnect feature that allows you to list dozens of programs to close in the event of a drop connection. Cool. I miss the screensavers and the early Rev3 days, but it's really nice to see the infamous Google <laughs> Jaywalker is still alive and well. All the best from Roland in Hermosa Beach. <laughs> I'm, I'm not familiar with this Google Jaywalker uh, story. I don't know if I have a copy of it, but I was <laughs> walking from the, the the Ziff Davis building to get across the street, and yeah. because I spent many of my formative years in New York City, I don't necessarily trust oh. crosswalks, so it caught me in the middle of the street, far, gotcha. far from anything that resembles a crosswalk. <laughs> don't tell my wife. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's awesome. Speaking of VPNs, bringing it back to VPNs and tech. Back to VPNs. Um, <laughs> check out, uh, this. we got one props to Lifehacker for listing this one. I think Alan Hendry did it. Alan, hi. Uh, check out that one privacy guy's VPN comparison chart. Do you have this thing up on your system? This is a lot of information about pretty much every VPN. In fact, there are so many VPNs I had never heard of before I saw wow. this spreadsheet. That this is incredible. You're awesome. I'm um, not gonna lie, when I first saw this, I might have spent like half an hour just comparing them. Because <laughs> I'm a dork. And I was really Logging, curious. activism, service configuration. Oh, it's great. I love that he includes activism and at the end, pricing. And he gives all the pricing, different color coded amounts, depending on how much they charge, which is great. That's awesome. So cool. So depending on what your preferences are, whether you're, you're, you're okay with a few privacy concerns if they have better right. pricing or if you want to spend more but have the best encryption and best privacy, um, this is a great comparison for anybody who is curious. Wow! All the things! <laughs> and remember, once in a while, put down your phone, turn off your VPN, and step away from the screen. You know, don't waste your VPN because you're not using it if you're stepping away from the screen. And do something analog, like go to a St. Patrick's Day parade, because this is being recorded two days before, but St. Patrick's is happening this week. Yay! That's why I'm wearing this shirt. Let the shenanigans begin. I think there's going to be corned beef in my life in the immediate future. Oh, man, and green beer. Send us your analog pics and we'll share them on the show. We'd love to hear what you all are doing, both tech-wise and hey, if you got something fun and analog to share, yep. send it out. <laughs> I'm Patty Norton. I'm Shannon Morse. We'll see you next week on Tech Think. Seriously! You Hee <laughs> <laughs>
sorry. Evil Snubs is evil. Let the shenanigans begin. Shenanigans. Hey, what is that place called? Shenanigans. Do you have your flare? So I installed Windows 10. Check out my background. Da -da -da. <laughs> is that a stock Windows 10 Daddy background? Heck no. <laughs> you know what I've been thinking about rewatching, but I haven't been brave enough to restart? Uh, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, so good. So good. I know, but there's so much of it. So many episodes. Yeah, it takes a while to get through. This whole children thing just takes so much time because yeah. of my video watching. Oh, man. That's just a terrible That's decision. That's why we got in the part. box. <laughs> Do something analog. Build a box to lock your children in so you can compute, do taxes, or. Just read uninterrupted. What, you ever put your kids in? Oh, you don't have kids. <laughs> Man, I'll put it this way. Imagine if there was a box you could lock your little sister into back in the day. Oh, I'm down. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm kidding, people. Stay out of my room. <sighs> lock.